entrepreneurs, business owners, professionals who seek excellence, bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builder Show. Here's Marty Wolf. We still got a long way to go. Yes, we all got a long way to go. Welcome to the Business Builder Show with Marty Wolf. The show for entrepreneurs, business owners, and business leaders. I'm Marty Wolf, your host for the Business Builder Show, and along with my executive producer, D.C. Taylor, we will be your guides on this learning journey. Let me tell you my super objective in being with you today. I want to enthusiastically share stories and information to inspire leaders. And if you're listening to this podcast, you are a leader so that you can inspire others. My special guest with me is Megan French Dunbar. Megan, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Well, you know what? We are talking during pandemic times here, uh, you know, <laughs> BC and, and AC. So we had some technical stuff, but I think we're sounding good, Megan, so far, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. So let me do the introduction. And this is coming right off Megan's website, which is Megan French Dunbar. It's M-E-G-H-A-N French Dunbar, D-U-N-B-A-R, Megan French Dunbar dot com. Here's what it says on our website. I got to do so much cool stuff. I founded a media company when I was 29 that covered the conscious business movement. As a result, I've gotten to connect with some of the most incredible people in the world through our print magazine events and podcast. We sold that company in 2017 and I stayed on as CEO until 2020. Oh, we have some interesting things to talk about. Now, now, this is from Megan. Now I am building a life that I love. Speaking, eating, writing, reading, consulting, traveling, momming, and just generally finding happy integration in my life. That includes projects that I love that make the world a better place and just being. I live in Boulder, Colorado with my beloved husband, our new son, and our fur child. We like to run around in the mountains, eat good food, see new places, and laugh a lot. This eating good food, Megan, comes up a lot. What's that yeah. about? Oh, it's huh? a thing. Uh, I just, I like to eat. <laughs> <laughs> I already feel more of a connection with you. I like to eat. I like that, you know? <laughs> so... This whole thing started with Megan. I read a book called The Healing Organization. It was written by two fine gentlemen. They are Raj Sisodi and Michael J. Gelb. And by the way, the foreword to the book was written by Tom Peters. And on page 121, it says, Redefining Success, the subtitle of that chapter says, How Conscious Company Magazine Lived Up to Their Own Values and Purpose. So, it all started in 2014, Megan. Let's start there. Tell me that story. Oh, my gosh. Like the whole beginning story? <laughs> Shorten oh, it wow. up as best you can. <laughs> all right. Cliff's notes. Um, yeah, we, uh, it was about April 2014, so exactly six years ago. I was working in the publishing industry. I was at two nationally distributed print publications and I was having dinner with a friend here in Boulder, Colorado. And we both had done our MBAs with a focus on sustainability. And my friend said, you know, you're in the publishing industry. Why doesn't a business magazine exist that really talks about conscious and sustainable business? And it was one of those questions that 
really changed the entire trajectory of my life. Uh, Mm -hmm. We went back that night and researched it and found that there really wasn't anything serving that market. And um, in a story for another day, I went to bed and I woke up and I had been fired over email at one o'clock in the morning from my print industry job. And I took it as a sign that I was supposed to Mm -hmm. uh, take this crazy leap and launch a print publication at the ripe age of 29 years old. And so I did. Mm. There, you, there you go. So you kind of got success a little quickly. I don't know if that's accurate, but uh, the first cover on the magazine was with who or whom, whatever the right English is. Uh, the one and only John Mackey, co-founder of Whole Foods Market. Wow. What a way to launch. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. we did. We It's like one of those, uh, you never know what can happen unless you ask. We made a list of the top 20 people who we wish would be in the first magazine. We used the internet to track down their emails and we wrote all of them a cold email saying, we're going to launch a print publication in January of 2015. Do you want to be involved? And we sent one of these to John Mackey, cold email, um, where we said, we'd like you to be on the cover of the magazine magazine. And lo and behold, I mean, maybe six weeks later, he wrote back and said that he would do it. Um, and yeah, wow. it was one of, one of the one of those things that uh, you look back at your career sometimes, and there's decisions that people make that put you on the map. And that was one of them. If, if John hadn't said yes to being on that magazine, we probably wouldn't have gotten into every Whole Foods in the nation with our first issue, but we did. Yeah, lesson number one for entrepreneurs, ask. Um, yeah. yeah, ask. Um Going through all of that, though, though, um, you had to raise some money along the way. So kind of tell me the good, bad, or indifferent on uh, the whole idea of fundraising. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So to get the magazine just off the ground, to get that first issue into Whole Foods in January of 2015, we started with crowdfunding. So we did a Kickstarter campaign in the summer of 2014. Uh, we had 30 days to raise $50,000. And on day 30, we had raised 41000 like 902 or something along those lines. And... Um, but we're about $9,000 short of our $50,000 goal. And if you don't hit your goal, you lose all of the money that you fundraise. And we ended up not hitting our goal. And so we lost over $40,000 in the summer of 2014. Mm-hmm. Uh, so lessons learned about crowdfunding that I can talk about. Um, so yep. we, we launched another crowdfunding campaign. That one, we raised $20,000. And that was enough to get that first issue to print. But then from there, as soon as we got the first issue to print and realized that we, you know, had to continue operating as a business, we quickly realized we needed to do fundraising. And so we did uh, a seed round and we specifically targeted impact investors who were all angel investors for that first round. And over about the course of a year, raised uh, about $750,000 from 21 mission aligned angel investors, which, um, as a young woman with a media company, I would say that was one of the hardest things I've ever do- done. <laughs> we probably talked to uh, over a hundred people, and most people thought we were crazy because we actually were. And uh, but <laughs> and we had some people who believed in us, and I will to this day I am uh, just profoundly grateful for the for the investors that we got for that first round. Uh, entrepreneur lesson number two, maybe, or, or more already, is that um, 
you know, these fundraising lessons are brutal, and they say that uh, it is very difficult to uh, to get this done. So that we're all clear, what do you mean by impact investors? Mm. And these are investors who are interested in companies that have a social or environmental mission. So they're um, they're trying to make a positive impact with their investments by supporting companies that do good for the world. Is kind of Cliff's notes on impact investing. Mm-hmm. So uh, starting from scratch, uh, working through this whole process, raising money, building a team, um, some personal issues. This sounds like there's an awful lot of stress going on in your life. Talk to me about that. Yeah, I I think we have a tendency to romanticize entrepreneurship. And I went into it uh, bright eyed and bushy tailed and thought it was going to be a fairly, you know, a challenging road, but I didn't, I couldn't even feasibly conceptualize what I was in for. Um, we you know, we, we raised $750,000. We had all these investors. We had a team of eight at that point. Um, this was about two years into the business. And unfortunately for us, the print magazine still, it's, it's a really hard industry to be in. And, um, we kind of chalked everything up to we're in the startup grind and we were working ourselves just to death. We were working, you know, 14, 16 hour days, never taking weekends. We, although we had, we were actually the authority in the space on how to run a conscious business. We actually weren't doing any of that. We didn't have a solidified purpose as a company. We didn't have solidified values. We, um, where there's a lot of infighting, I was not showing up as the leader that I really wanted to be. I was exhausted and burnt out all the time. And as a result of our kind of internal conflicts that were going on, we burned through our initial seed round way faster than we thought. We weren't focused on the right things in terms of sales and marketing. And we were looking at a scenario, you know, over three years into the business where uh, things were not looking good. And the stress and pressure of that was unlike anything that I have ever experienced, because not only are you potentially letting down your investors, but you're letting down your team, you're letting, you know, we had a very public facing product, we had, you know, thousands of people who read our magazine. And so we felt like we would be letting them down. And just that, that feeling of letting people down and Mm -hmm. losing people's money was more than I could possibly bear. I was, I was in a very dark place <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. during mm-hmm. that time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how did you handle that? What did you do to handle that stress? Uh, either, uh, well, in any way you'd like to describe that, because obviously you've moved on several different uh, chapters, if you will. But how did you handle that? What were, what were the parts that uh, helped you get through that? The first and foremost was my partner, my husband. Uh, he held me together. I have a, a just incredibly supportive spouse and an incredibly supportive family and friends. And I leaned on them harder than I ever expected to have to in my life. And uh, my community really rallied around me. I found little pieces of respite here and there, specifically just going on hikes, being outside, doing yoga. Um, but I would say 
in general, though, I, I actually don't think I handled it very well. I, um, it was, you know, I, I look back at it as this wonderful time for me to learn <laughs> all sorts of great things about myself and about um, how I need to show up in the world. But I, um, I definitely didn't handle that those few years very well at all. Wow. Talk about going through the gauntlet. Wow. Um, so lots of stress. Uh, so you kind of moved on because it said you tell us on your website, which is MeganFrenchDunbar.com. And we are speaking with Megan right now. She's being uh, fully honest with us. So this is really refreshing. You said that you sold the company in 2017 and you stayed on as CEO until 2020. So maybe it's time we talk about the new chapter. What's going on, Megan? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a, it's very fresh. So it's a, I'm I'm trying to figure out the right words to put to it. So I um so we yeah, we did sell the company in 2017 and that was just fantastic for us. I had the opportunity in January of 2018 to to bring in a consultant to help us really codify our purpose and our values and what we wanted to do in the world. We launched an entire new brand called World Changing Women, um, and for you know a year, I just got to do work in such a beautiful place. I felt like I was in my zone of genius. I was really creating the things I wanted to create. Um, in there somewhere, I got pregnant um, and. I just had a baby in June of 2019 and just throughout the second year of doing it. So it was, you know, my year five of running the business. I just started hearing little signs here and there that I might want to close the door on this particular chapter of Conscious Company Media and World Changing Women. And um, the work was really good and I was making the impact that I wanted to make in the world, but I just kept having this gnawing feeling like I needed to move on to start creating something else. And I couldn't put it down. I, I didn't take it lightly either. I mean, me leaving met leaving my entire incredible team and leaving the parent company that was so wonderful and purchased us in 2017. And, um, but I also started realizing that if I, there's an expression that one of my dear colleagues likes to use as the leader goes, so goes the organization. And I was watching my attention kind of be being pulled towards other things. My heart was being pulled toward other things. And, as a leader, your, your organization deserves your utmost. And I felt like I wasn't quite being able to give it. I, there was also a new strategic direction from the parent company that was coming down that I was just feeling like I, um, I wasn't fulfilling on. I wasn't, I, I, and so it was all just me kind of feeling like the, the organization deserved someone mm -hmm. who was in it to win it. And although I had become the face of the company and I loved what I was doing, I just felt like I needed to leave. So I spent a year mulling over the decision. And then in January of 2020 this year, I uh, put in my resignation and I just had my last day two weeks ago, um, which is wow, very strange. We're like, we're like breaking news here. Taylor, <laughs> <laughs> my producer, we got breaking news here, buddy. How about know? that? Yes. <laughs> Oh, that this is great Exclusive. stuff. Um, like it. It's it's so so refreshing to hear your candor. Um, and I do want to talk more about what your plans are. But let's go back to a phrase that you use because I'd like you to explain it. Did you say zone of genius? 
Yes, I did. Tell me what that is. And do you think you'll be in that space or are you in that space now? So describe that to me. Yeah, I zone of genius for me is that wonderful, uh, if you think of a Venn diagram, it's where the things that you're really, really good at, the things that make you come alive and the things that have a good, have an impact on the world and are making some sort of uh, change toward the direction where you want to see the world go. There's a little sweet spot right in there that I call the zone of genius. I, I did not come up with that, by the way. That is, uh, I don't know who came up with that, but uh, it's just that spot where you're you're doing the thing that you are meant to do. Um, and for me, a lot of that is around um, public speaking. A lot of that is around community building. A lot of that is around bringing people together to have really tough, raw conversations. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's, in general, how I think of Zone of Genius is that that place where the thing you're really, really good at that you really like to do, but also does something good for the world. So just to reiterate, you're building a life that you love speaking. We'll forget about the eating for right now. Speaking, <laughs> writing, reading, consulting, traveling, and mommying. So I'm sure the mommying is taking some of your time, but the speaking thing. Um, so what's the plan? What are, you, what are you looking for without telling us any secret sauce? Or what do you hope to, uh, to achieve in 2020 if, if you feel comfortable talking about that? Yeah, yeah, I can kind of do some broad strokes. Um, the so the one thing that's currently occupying my time, I'm doing some uh, kind of strategic executive business coaching with a wonderful firm here in Boulder called Delta Awesome. <laughs> and mm-hmm. essentially they match uh, former founder CEOs up with current founder CEOs to help them navigate the complexities of startup life. And so I am getting to do that with a bunch of uh, yeah. young up and coming founders. And I, I get to talk to them every week and do quarterly strategy sessions and just being able to coach people through the myriad difficulties that come through startup life and help people potentially avoid maybe one or two of the mistakes that I made. And, mm-hmm. and I think I made every mistake that you're allowed to make <laughs> as a business person. Um, and so just helping people navigate that is one of the things I'm really working on right now. And just like a one-on-one capacity where I can tell that I'm making a difference with someone. I am uh, starting a little bit uh, of, in terms of writing. I am working on a book right now um, that I'm really excited about. Um, and I'm also uh, developing a new business. There's a new venture in here that will be launched in about a month. Uh, and I can't speak too much to it. But uh, Are you going to come back on? Yeah, when, of course. When you're yeah. If you'll have me, yes. Absolutely. I'm loving this discussion. I I love the transformation or the movement, the moving from thing to thing. I've gone through several iterations of what you've described, and I probably made more mistakes than you um, because I'm older. I just simply keep making the same ones over and over again. Um, I guess I didn't have a good enough coach. Um, so, So that's what I'm doing now, too, is helping people hopefully uh, avoid some of these mistakes. So the best place for people to contact you, to have a conversation with you, to talk about speaking to their group, or is it your website? Is that the best place for people to reach you? Yep. Yeah. There's a a contact form there that goes directly to me and I can get back to anybody about anything. And and you can also reach me at Megan at FrenchDunbar.com. Okay. And, um, Let's see, was that your email that you just gave me or Twitter? Yes. I'm listening. That okay. is, yeah, that is my email. And your Twitter is at Meg French Dunbar. That one's still relevant? Yep. Okay. So um, 
Wow, well, thank you for taking time. I often ask folks, and I would like to offer this to you too, is there something we didn't cover that you want to get uh, across in, in the middle of your uh, transition slash transformation? Anything you'd like to add? You know, one of the things that's coming up for me right now is uh, just about that when you ask that zone of genius question is about um, really listening to yourself and what you want to be doing in the world. I, um, you know, leaving an organization that I founded, there are really actually two brands underneath that I built over the last six years. And I've had a lot of people ask me about the decision to walk away. And um, I think that uh, us listening to what we want to do with it, you know, we have this one precious life. Uh, we have a very limited amount of time on this planet to go do the things that we want to do. And so um, I'm really interested right now into figuring out that what those are for me, but also being brave enough to follow what's coming up, uh, which is in some cases very different than things I've done in the past. And so um the decision to walk away, I, I've seen a lot of founders stick it out way longer than they should and get to a place where they're completely burnt out. They have no heart and soul for what they're doing anymore, but they feel some sense of loyalty, like they have to stay and um, your business can survive without you is, mm. is a big thing that I'm trying to tell myself, mm. but also help other people realize is that uh that's the beauty of founding a company is sometimes you get to build something and then set it a sale uh, without you on board. And I think that that is important for us as founders all to remember. I can't possibly top that. So we'll stop there. Megan French Dunbar, that is her website.com. Delightful discussion. I would suggest the book, The Healing Organization. Uh, the subtitle of the book is Awakening the Conscience, Conscience of Business to Help Save the World Again by Raj Sisodia and Michael J. Gelb. Megan, thank you so much for being part of the Business Builder Show. Thank you so much for having me. It is an honor. And you're going to be back. Remember that now. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> I will. Bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builder Show with Marty Wolf. 